0: Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast, we believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr.
1: So I'm so glad you guys are on today. Carolyn and I wanted to take some time. And uh, answer. we haven't done a Q&A with you guys in a while. So we wanted to take some time to take some uh, questions and give some answers today. Good morning, Brittany. Hadn't seen you. It's good to see you. Uh, so we want to take some questions from you guys, what you're thinking about, what you've been wondering about, if there are things you've been uh, studying in the Word that you have not yet gotten answers about or you need clarity, we'll do our best to answer your questions today. And uh, I want to make just a couple of small uh, insights or Teach a couple of small things regarding faith as we're launching the faith course, uh, because it is so vitally important. And one of the good morning, Christine. And one of the thing, one of the things that I did want to talk about and talk to you about is the fact that so many people focus on the fact that our faith can be the si- size of a grain of a mustard seed, and still the Bible says uh, be effective. However. That's not an excuse uh, for your faith to stay small, right? God expects us to grow in faith without question. God expects us to increase our faith. And it's interesting because if you study the synoptic Gospels, you'll see the stories of Jesus and his disciples in the boat when the storm arises. And one uh, one of, the, um, one, of the, one of the passages Jesus says, um, oh first of all he says, where is your faith? Another one he says, how is it that you have no faith? And another one he says, oh, ye of little faith. So it is possible to have no faith. Jesus talked about that. But then it's also possible to have little faith. But then what did he say to the centurion in Matthew chapter 8? I've not seen faith as great as this in all of Israel. So you can have no faith. You can have little faith. You can have great faith. And obviously, because God is pleased by your faith, he wants your faith to grow. Everything we do should increase.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's like something I mentioned in my article in this last magazine, because I did mention that, you know, you have a measure of faith and faith the size of a mustard seed moves mountains, but it doesn't stay the size of a mustard seed. Because if you actually look up what a mustard seed is, it's like literally a speck of pepper. That's how small it is. But our faith should increase because just think how much more you can do when it gets bigger than a mustard seed. So that, like you said, a lot of people will stay at that. They quote that scripture all day long. If you have faith, the size of a mustard seed. See, that's a good starting point. Yeah, of course. It's a great place to start, but we're never supposed to stay where we are. We're Mm -hmm. always, the Bible talks about increase, increase, increase grace to grace we're moving up favor to favor we're moving up that ladder of favor faith to faith you know we're climbing up that ladder of faith you should be having i always look at it as like a champion boxer and the belt and having that notch in your belt you you succeed and you get to that faith level but you don't stay there there should be you should be moving on to a greater point of faith Mm -hmm. in your life because you have to realize you're never going to hit a ceiling of faith you're never going to get to that point where you're like well I have done it all, I have conquered this, we're done, I hit my cap of faith. It's until the Lord comes back to get us, your faith should forever be increasing.
1: Yeah, no question. We, we want our faith to increase because, think about this, we use this verse of scripture a lot. The Bible says in um, Proverbs 4.18, that the path of the just, or the righteous, it's a shining light that shines brighter And brighter until the perfect day, or one translation says until the full light of day. God's desire for you as a believer is that your path get brighter every day. But understand, you cannot go to a greater level without greater faith. So within that verse of scripture, we understand that in order for our path to increase, our light to increase, our faith must also increase. And so it's very important to understand that God wants greater for you every day, every week, every month, every year. He never wants you to stop increasing. But that doesn't just mean increasing in fruitfulness, but to increase in fruitfulness, you've got to increase in faith. I can't do more for the Lord in 2020 than I did in 2019 if I don't increase my faith in the word and in the Lord in 2020 it takes greater faith to do greater things.
0: And you have to take action for it. That's if right. If there's something that you you feel like you need to conquer, well, let's just make it simple like you have a headache and you don't want to take medicine for it anymore, but you feel like you get such bad migraines or to the point where you're like, I just can't do this anymore. Yeah. Take that step of faith. Instead of going to take the Tylenol, Just press through it. Get into the word. You know, Bill Winston is one of my favorite faith preachers. He stirs me up and builds me up. It's just in his teaching. He's not like, you know, all over the place. And, no, he's great. And radical that way. But his teaching is so radical. And, it, and, and Dr. Bill Winston, when you listen to him, your faith soars. And he's one of my favorite guys. And one time when I was battling a migraine, you know, you're so tempted. You're like, if I could just take this, it would release it instantly. <clears throat> but then as I was listening to something, he said, listen, the next time you go to reach for your medicine cabinet and you have a headache, something simple... He's like, go to the word of God and read scripture or listen to scripture and get that. It's a medicine, it's a medicine. to your body. Proverbs Literal 4. Literal medicine That's to your right. body. But take little steps like that. Don't, you know, people, they wait until something like so drastic comes and then they they start, you know, operating in, in like a... Uh, fear faith in a way. It's like they're so, you know, in crisis mode to get this healing. It's like, but start small, Mm -hmm. get that under wraps and then work your way up. So if it's something you want to be like, listen, if I ever have a headache again, or I ever battle a migraine, I refuse. I'm going to speak the word over my body and I'm going to watch my authority work. When you watch your authority work and you conquer that, just that little thing, you're like, all right, I got this for the next time. Yep. So start somewhere, make a goal in your faith and, and it's take like action. Yes, you did that. Now you go to the next one, but you have to start somewhere. Don't wait till it gets to something major and you're in crisis mode.
1: That's right. Don't wait until there's a crisis to pray. <laughs> so many believers do that. <laughs> Ted Milton said, meanwhile, in South Florida, Teddy wears a sweater. Hey,
0: listen, it was <laughs> 39 the other I woke up 39 morning, degrees and here. On Wednesday day
1: had a cold front come through. Um no Chris first asked a first Chris first asked the question. He's saying uh Chris is <clears throat> working for the Lord.
0: No.
1: Um even further up?
0: No, no. Down. Yeah.
1: Chris Chris is asking um yeah. how do you get opportunities to preach in churches as an evangelist? How do you start? Um when when God calls you, like for example, when I first started out, when my cousin Jonathan first started out uh as evangelist, nobody was calling us. <laughs> and You have to just, number one, trust and believe that God truly did call you. If God truly did call you to be an evangelist and your heart knows that, then you won't give up on it. Number one, you won't say, well, maybe it's not working. I'm going to go out and just pursue another career. My cousin and I, one of the things, and we used to talk every single night about this, about how, listen, if nobody's calling me, I'm going to stay at my house, I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray until God opens doors. I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray until God opens doors. Because remember this, Chris, God is the one who brings the increase. God is the one who opens the doors. The Bible says that Jesus holds the key of David, that when he opens a door, no one can close it. And when he shuts a door, no one can open it. So understand, God's the one who gives open doors. No man can promote you. And so uh, people say, because <clears throat> I've heard people say this, they've said it to me even behind closed doors. Well, it must be nice to be a third generation minister. And it must be nice to have a father that, and a grandfather that preached and, and you know opened the, all the doors for you. But let me just give you some insight. <laughs> that can open a door for you one time one time. And if you go in there and you're not called and you don't have, you know, if you're not operating in the anointing, you're not studied, you're not ready to go, you're not seeing the power of God flow, that may have opened the door for you once, but it'll be the last time. You have an opportunity and I'm thankful that I did have opportunities because of the benefit of being a third generation minister, but let me tell you those dry up immediately if you don't come in with the anointing of God, the power of God and actually are able to function as a minister of the gospel, and so we said we're going to pray and fast. And nobody was calling us. I think my first year in ministry, how much uh, our total income was like six thousand dollars, something like that. Remember? Yeah. It's like six or seven thousand dollars for the year, for the year. And and you know that's an opportunity for people to quit and say, well, you know what? Must be not not my thing. I couldn't quit. It's my calling. It's who I am. It's who she is. So we're not going to say, "Oh, well, we're going to throw in the towel. I was happy. Remember this? I mean, we've, God's increased us so much, but we were happy to pay to preach. Remember yeah. there, there were some meetings we went on. And, um, by the time all of our expenses, cause we don't ever charge people for our expenses. You know, we pay to, for our gas. We pay for our flights. We pay, pay for our hotel. We, you know, we pay for our food. And I understand everybody may not be able to do that at the beginning, but we just decided to do it by faith. And, um, there were times when we came away from all that, what we paid to get there and do all the stuff versus the offerings we received, we actually ended up paying more to preach than the offerings that came in. We were paying to preach. And uh, I was happy to do it. I was excited to do it because I knew it was my call. I knew it was my purpose. So faithfulness is a key. Fasting and prayer to o- for God to open doors is a key. And then being prepared and ready to do what God wants you to do. And every door, I don't care. <clears throat> Listen, Chris, <clears throat> I don't care if it's you going into a middle school Bible club and that's what your open door is. You go in and you treat it like it's the biggest revival or crusade yeah. that you could ever have you know been a part of. And you say, well, you know, I'm just going to kind of phone it in because it's a, a middle school Bible club with 13 kids in it. No, you go in there as if it is the greatest opportunity. You treat it like it is. You be a good steward of what doors God has opened to you because the Bible teaches a principle. If you're faithful over the little, he will make you ruler over much. If you're faithful over the little, he'll make you ruler over much. So number one, pray and fast that God will open doors. Number two, be prayed up, studied up, ready to bring uh, the anointing wherever you go. And then treat every open door like it's the best opportunity that you have ever had. And treat it with, steward what God gives you. And understand it's an honor to serve the Lord. It's an honor to minister on behalf of the Lord. And I'm telling you, when you treat it like that, God sees I taught this yesterday that in Malachi 3.16, God keeps a book of remembrance in heaven. He's writing your name down, Chris. And he's saying, Chris is faithful with every opportunity I give him. I'm going to give him more opportunities. I'm going to open more doors for his life. And I believe God will do that. There's our friend, Pastor Randy Hooper. Love you. Good to see you on today. God bless you too. And so it's very, very important that you do that. And uh, Brittany, we'll stand with you and believe God for healing for your children as well. Buddy, we're going to do another story time broadcast as soon as we possibly can, where I just go on my podcast and tell stories from the road and uh, funny, funny things that have happened. People love you that. You said
0: broadcast. I was like, it, what broadcast? It might actually be do? one of the
1: most listened to uh, broadcast that we've ever, uh, or podcasts that we've ever released. I have to go back and check. Um, you helped me, Carolyn, to get through, and the Lord supernaturally healed me when I was so tempted to go to the doctor. Praise God. That's a great testimony. Yeah, going to college campuses with speakers. Well, Chris, make sure you get the permissions first. Don't get tased and taken out. Yeah,
0: we've known people to do that. In, make uh, sure you get the proper permissions. And, stuff, and it, doesn't, yes. it, doesn't end, it doesn't end
1: well. <laughs> yep, we're going to pray and believe God. So it's un- understandable. Just put your questions in as we're going forward. But it's important to understand. That's why I wanted to show you this. In Matthew 17... We see the story, it's a parallel story of Mark 9. And I want you to read it if you will. It's Matthew 17. It's the story of when um, the parents bring their boy to Jesus and the disciples who's possessed by a demon spirit and the disciples try to cast it out and they can't cast it out. And, uh, and so they're confused. And then Jesus, without issue, without a problem, literally cast the demon out and the disciples are confused. So, Karen, you tell me to
0: go to Mark or Matthew? Matthew 17. Okay.
1: So if you'd start reading, um, start reading verse 14 and let's end with uh, verse 20. Do you have 21 in there? Verse, tw- Do you have 17,
0: 21?
1: No. Okay. Because it's in your footnotes. Yeah. But, but read 17 through uh, 14 through 20, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 14 through 20 and then we'll read 21 as well
0: at the foot of the mountain a large crowd was waiting for them a man came and knelt before jesus and said lord have mercy on my son he has seizures and suffers terribly he often falls into the fire or into the water so i brought him to your disciples but they couldn't heal him jesus said you faithless and corrupt people how long must i be with you how long must i put up with you bring the boy here to me Then Jesus rebuked the demon and the boy, and it left him. From from that moment, the boy was well. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, Why couldn't we cast out that demon? You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible.
1: Isn't that interesting? So first you hear him rebuke them, you faithless generation, how long do I have to be with you? Then when they ask him, how come we couldn't cast out uh, this demon? He said, because of your unbelief. That's one translation. She, Hers said, because you don't have enough faith, because of your unbelief. Here in uh, the ESV, listen to it. It says, because of your little faith, because of your little faith. And then many manuscripts that have been found in, uh, archae- that archaeologists have found Add verse 21 as well, which says, and we've taught on this, but this kind of demon will not come out except through prayer and fasting. So one of the reasons that the disciples were confused is because first they had cast out other demons in the past. They'd healed the sick in the past. Now they come up on a demon that they do not have the ability to cast out. And they're confused. Why can't we do this? And Jesus is also teaching there are levels of spiritual power, levels of spiritual power. That's why the manuscripts say this kind of demon will not come out except through prayer and fasting. And so what Jesus is saying is you and I as believers have to work in dedication to build spiritual strength, build spiritual strength. There's a reason why not every believer is walking at the same level of power. It's not because we don't all have the same Holy Spirit on the inside of us, we do. We all, as believers filled with the Holy Ghost, we've all got the same power in, inside of us. But just because it's inside of us doesn't mean we can all release it at the same level of power. And I've always explained this uh, with the, the damn example. You know that a dam in front of a river uh, will keep back the strength and power of all that water that is there. It doesn't mean the river doesn't have a lot of power to flood the cities and towns below. It's just held back by the dam, which represents your flesh. If I was to take a few bricks out of the dam, you'd see a little stream of water shooting out of the wall. That's what happens when you remove just a little bit of your flesh and yield to the spirit. But if I were to take C4 explosive and blow the whole wall up, the whole power of that rushing river would shoot out and and downriver to wash out the towns and villages below. And when fasting and prayer are in effect, you're removing that flesh wall so that you can release the fullness of that power that's on the inside of your uh, body or inside of your life. That's the Holy Ghost you've been filled with. And so understand thats it's very important to understand not every believer is operating at that level of power because not every believer is at that level of dedication. And because people are not, they get frustrated and say, well, I guess it's just not God's will. No, it has nothing to do with God's will. It has everything to do with the level we're willing to dedicate to the spirit of God. And in fact, you know, the disciples had issues Um, with their dedication throughout the Gospels. And Jesus had to keep coaching them and helping them. And in Matthew 26, Jesus takes them to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And the Bible says that Jesus is literally praying and praying and praying. And the Bible says that he went further into the garden than they did, fell down on his face, Matthew 26, 39, and started praying a prayer of consecration And he came back and found the disciples sleeping. And he said to Peter, you could not watch with me for one hour? That shows you he didn't think that was a long time. You couldn't even pray for one hour? Then he said this, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So then again, for the second time, he went away and prayed. And again, he came and found them sleeping and their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went and prayed for a third time saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest. Later on, see the hours at hand. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. So the disciples, were look look how they were lacking dedication even in the garden. Jesus is pressing in in prayer, they're sleeping. He has to wake them up and encourage them, pray, pray, pray. And the same thing happens throughout the gospels. Jesus wakes up early before the dawn to go and pray. In the book of Luke, he prays all through the night. And so understand that our level of dedication to the kingdom will determine the level of power that we can release in the kingdom. Uh, E.M. Bounds, who wrote 12 books in his lifetime, nine of them were on the subject of prayer, has a very famous quote that I'm sure that you've heard where he said, no prayer, no power, little prayer, little power, much prayer, much power. And he's by that quote, he's giving us the understanding that your level of prayer will determine the level of power you can release in the supernatural in your life. And we've seen that to be the case. The more that we fasted and prayed...
0: Yeah, but it's funny how people think that they're going to work the works of God, but never do any of the dedication that he did. Right. The servant is never going to be greater than the master. That's right. And the master did what fasted for 40 days absolutely spent time with his father mm-hmm. he said i won't even say anything unless my father said that's it. right and 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 he went off to pray often and he you know what i mean like so we can't expect to do something greater and or or anything at all if we're not going to do anything <laughs> the same as that jesus. jesus did Mm-hmm. So we we can't sit back. This is not a time to sit back and relax.
1: No, it's Jesus time, is coming.
0: It, it's a time to press <clears throat> in, to have great faith, and let and get that inside of you where things offend your faith that are small. Yeah. Never wait till things are big. That's and like right. Like I said earlier, <clears throat> you're in crisis mode, let let anything little that's not of God offend yeah. your faith. That's a great immediately. point. Immediately offend your faith immediately, and you kick it out. It's a lot easier. Let me tell you, a lot easier mm-hmm. to get rid of the small stuff before it gets bigger. Absolutely. A lot easier. Right? A lot easier. To, you did to, that. To,
1: you've, you've shared with how you, you did that even with a fever that offended your faith with the kids. You, you're you not going to wait until some big thing tries to hit them.
0: Yeah. Fever. But, but the thing is, that's what I was explaining earlier. You You have to start somewhere. You get to the point where you're like, all right. I'm not going to take this method anymore. I want, you know, I get, I love, and I don't mean like in a bad way, I get tired of hearing the stories in third world countries. I love to hear them. They build my faith, but it's like, why can they operate at a greater level? And then us in America go to plan B, C, D, and down the alphabet. Right. And it's like, it's the same powerful God yeah. that they depend on over there. They don't have, see, that's the thing is they don't have choices. They don't have choices over there to run to the pharmacy that's on the corner when somebody starts to have a cough or we got to immediately go to the hospital and there's no insurance over there that, you know, that they can depend on. It's life or death for them. And I made up in my mind a long time ago, that's how I want to live. I want to solely depend. Now, every day I have to work at that. If I didn't read my Bible, if I didn't press in, if I didn't get in the anointing, Mm -hmm. if I didn't get plugged into meetings and in my church, then that would deplete and I would back down and and be weak in that. But I want to have great faith and I have to work myself to that just like anybody else. I have to, when stuff comes up, I have to get tough in my spirit and be like, all right, I want to succeed at this, yep. just like with my children, and that's what they're taught. And and you know, the last time they battled something was a long time ago. I think Maddie was three and a half the last time. So she, that's like seven she, years she, ago. Yeah, uh, that time when we came home from Brooklyn being mm-hmm. in the hospital, and that was the last. Time. Yep. The last time they experienced a doctor, the last time they experienced any medication. I mean, at that point, Ma- Madeline never even had Tylenol at that point because I read the part where Peter's mother in law was sick with a fever, and it and it clicked. That's what I'm saying. It has to click in your mind. You Amen. get the revelation that Jesus touched her hand and healed healed her of a fever. That's right. She wasn't battling cancer. She wasn't on her deathbed. Yep. She didn't, you know, have diabetes and glaucoma and something major and was battling arthritis it was a simple fever that's right and so I thought you know what God works with the simple and he looks at it and doesn't say well that's a fever I don't need to focus on that she can just you know work it out and Mm -hmm. then I had I got to go over here to to Sandy who has you know battling a rare disease he looks at it all the same When the Bible says his name is above every name, Mm -hmm. it's something small or something great. So once I got that revelation of it, it made my faith grow higher and it makes my children's faith grow higher to the point where (laughs) I just laugh because sometimes you would think, you know, my kids, even to put a bandaid on on them at times is so (laughs) dramatic, they like want nothing to do with anything. <laughs> they just are like, leave me alone. I'm fine. I don't even need an ice pack. You know, or if they feel bad, it's mom, pray for me. And that's what I have instilled in them that as soon as they feel off, mm-hmm. We're not waiting until it's, a, it's a, a deep sickness. It's as soon as they feel off in their body, they've already recognized it, and they come, and they say, Mom, Dad, lay hands on me. Pray for me. Actually, the other day, uh, Brooklyn, I don't even know if we were in school or what we were talking about, but she was just like, um, you, know, you know, Mom, when Dad prayed for me, the other day, I don't even know when it was, but she just out of nowhere was like, you know, when dad prayed for me the other day and either her head hurt or her stomach hurt, she's like, as soon as he was done praying, I didn't feel bad anymore. Like She just made a point to say that to me. And so, you know, I was like, praise God, Brooklyn. And I said, that's exactly how prayer is supposed to work. But don't get discouraged and don't feel bad and never ever show weakness to your children right. if immediately it didn't happen. Tell them to thank Jesus for yeah. healing. That's what he died for them for. That's right. And they, they are gonna be healed. Don't ever be like, oh my gosh, what you know, like you're worried. You know, people feel like they have to be worried for Jesus. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they have to feel bad or explain. Explain why he didn't do it right then and there. Yeah. And, and and explain, you know, like you have to cover for him. Right. You don't have to cover for Jesus. Right. Just declare the word and know that he's gonna do it. Absolutely. You don't have to cover for him. He's already Well the Bible he's the Bible doesn't say
1: that we believe we receive when we receive. It says that we believe we receive when we pray. If you study Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 24, it says whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. We don't believe we receive when we receive. We believe we receive when we pray. When we pray, we say it's done. When we pray, why? That's God's system. He said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. I'm not waiting until I see it in the natural. That's doubting Thomas. I can't believe Jesus is raised from the dead till I stick my fingers into the nail scars in his hands. No, that's not faith. That's why Jesus said to him, blessed are those who have never seen and yet believe. Anybody, a sinner can believe when they see it in the natural, it takes a person of faith yeah. to believe when they don't see it yet. I believe and you believe that we receive when we pray, when we confess, when we declare. That's when we receive.
0: You, you don't need to make excuses for Jesus. Never. You just ex- you pray for somebody. You lay hands on them. And you teach them what the word of God says because you teaching them builds their faith. That's right. People, you know, they come to church and they'll come into, you know, Ted's meetings or his his dad's meetings and, and they will get healed. But then there's times where they lose it because they're not built on their faith as mm-hmm. a foundation to keep what they received. Yep. So don't ever, like I said... And, and, and Brittany did the hashtag word for Jesus. You don't ever have to explain it. Nope. You don't, you just say the word and it will be backed up.
1: And that's why we, that's why we encourage people that it's life or death where you go to church because you could come to a revival service that we hold or my father or Jonathan or somebody else and catch a miracle because you're in the an atmosphere of the miraculous where faith is being built in that moment. But if you don't have a personal faith built up in your life, then you don't have the strength to sustain that miracle and that healing when you go back to be on your own. And that's a dangerous thing because what can, what can happen, yes, Chantel, we'll be there for in April for the dome opening. What can happen to people, and here's an interesting story. When I was in Bible school, I went to Rhema Bible Training Center, uh, which was founded by Kenneth Hagin, who's going on to be with the Lord, And uh, it's a faith school, it teaches the word, teaches faith and builds people's faith. Well, there was a very prominent healing evangelist that held crusades all over America and around the world that sees all kinds of healing miracles. And literally their team, their staff, after the crusades would finish, would go maybe a year later and follow up with those people who'd received healing and a miracle And they were surprised to find that the majority of those people lost their healing and lost their miracle because of what I'm teaching right now. And they called Rhema's offices and said, you know, we would love to partner with Rhema because these people that are coming to our crusades and getting healed, we need to plant them in churches where they live that teach the word on healing and that practice divine healing because what ends up happening, people go go to an event because there's the hype of the event. They get their miracle because, you know, you can receive a miracle from someone else's faith. Did you know that? When Jesus went to uh, Solomon's porch and the Bible says he saw the man who was waiting to get into the water when the angel troubled the water and the man said, I've got no one to help me. And someone always jumps into the water first and gets their miracle and I'm crippled and can't get to the water. And so I don't ever get my healing. That man, by the way, didn't even know who Jesus was. And Jesus healed him on that day before the water was troubled. Jesus healed him based on Jesus' faith. And when they came and asked him, who has made you well? He said, I don't know. I don't know who the man was. You know what that shows you? The man's faith was not engaged in Jesus because he didn't know it was Jesus. So Jesus performed a miracle based on his own faith. You can do that. You can do that. And But the problem with doing that, it's not the most efficient way to bring miracles to people because as we're teaching, people can lose their miracle. They can lose what God's given them. And you don't want that to happen because they don't have the faith to sustain it. The best way is to join our faith together. My faith, believing with your faith, you receive, but because you have a faith built, you can sustain what God's given you. So this evangelist said, we would really like to partner with Rhema so that we could plug these people in to uh, Rhema churches that are teaching the word on divine healing. And the reason that we teach this is because, and this is this is by the way, so vitally important for you to understand. It's one of the things that I've included in the Mountain Moving Faith course on Miracle Word University that we launched today. There's a whole video that I do in the course on what we call faith isolation. Faith isolation. Did you know that when you get faith it just doesn't enter into every area of your life? You can have faith to be saved and have no faith to be healed. And that's many people in the body of Christ today. They go to a church that preaches salvation but will never preach on healing. So as a result those people have faith to be saved and no faith to be healed. And so your faith is isolated to the areas of life where you've heard the word or been taught on that subject. And I'm telling you, this, is, this would eliminate so much frustration in the body of Christ if people understood this principle, which is why we included it in Mountain Moving Faith. I'm telling you, you guys need to grab that course, especially in these next seven days before the, the, uh, the discount code is, is expired. Faith Launch is the discount code, grab it. Lauren is asking, what does it mean in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, uh, when it says the dead in Christ shall rise first, are they going to go back to their bodies, then go back up to heaven? Um, so let me read that in context to everybody that's listening. This is Paul teaching the the Thessalonian church about the end times and about the rapture. And listen to what the Bible says. And this is under the section, the coming of the Lord. Listen to this verse 13, and I'll read through the end but we do not want you to be misinformed or uninformed brothers about those who are asleep and it really means dead. That you may not grieve as others who have no hope. So what, what they're saying is, don't grieve about people that have died if they're Christians. You don't have to grieve and be sad because number one, they've gone to heaven. Number two, you'll see them again. So don't grieve like others who have no hope. Verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died, and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep or those that have died. For this, verse 15, we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first, verse 17, and then we who are alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Paul is teaching about the rapture in this passage and what he's teaching is, now listen, when someone dies... The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To be absent from the body. What does that mean? The real you, your spirit, leaves your body and goes to heaven if you're a Christian. But your body remains here on the earth. It's what we bury at a funeral. And so, but see, there's a promise in the word that God will give us glorified bodies for heaven. So God's not done with this body once it dies if you're a Christian. We bury it in the ground but the Bible teaches that even though their spirits are in heaven, that on the t- at the time of the rapture, God will reunite their spirit with their body and their dead bodies will get up out of the grave and be caught up in the air, reunited with their spirits and God will glorify their bodies, make them eternal bodies. And though the Bible says those of us that are still alive and that remain on the earth our bodies will be instantly glorified and we'll be caught up to meet Jesus in the air. Our spirits are still in our bodies, but our bodies will be made eternal bodies and that we will join those who were dead in Christ. You realize this, not everybody who has died is dead in Christ. Obviously, sinners that die are not dead in Christ. They're just dead. Also, I'll give you another interesting fact here. Uh, those that believed in Jehovah in the Old Testament are not dead in Christ. They're dead, but they're not in Christ. They were never in Christ because Christ was not alive on the earth in the Old Testament for them to believe in Christ. And so their bodies will not be resurrected until later after the second coming of Jesus, after the tribulation. So those that were saints in the Old Testament, they will not, Their bodies will not rise. So there's a benefit, by the way. There's a benefit of being in Christ. We get to rise first. And so that's what that means. That's what what that passage is talking about. Charlene said, what about uh, if their bodies are cremated and ashes spread everywhere? Listen, if I believe God can raise the dead, if I believe he can open blind eyes, I believe that he can bring the particles of their ashes back together he
0: already, oh, he already has to bring the particles of their whole body back because yeah because people, remember they
1: decompose
0: people in in caskets only stay whole for so long when you open up caskets after so many years i mm-hmm. mean you're gonna have
1: bones that's in right yeah so, he's so gotta do he that has to do that anyway, anyway. <laughs> so people decompose so god has to literally recreate their bodies to reunite them with their spirit The same will be true with those that are cremated. By the way, no one should ever be cremated. That's a pagan practice. It's not a Christian practice. Burial is a Christian practice, not cremation. We don't destroy the temple of the Holy Spirit, even though it's not the temple of the Holy Spirit anymore. It's God's image and his likeness. So we don't don't destroy it. Burial, and people do it because of uh, financial difficulty or they don't have the money for a funeral. But... Understand, this is a body that God created. It's not meant to be destroyed. It's meant to be cared for and it's meant to be buried. That was the pattern in scripture. They buried people in tombs. They didn't burn their bodies. That's that's pagan in, in practice. But yes, Jesus Jesus will literally I know it is cheaper. Uh no, but uh, billions now referring to Easter Easter is a pagan practice. Ishtar, the uh the pagan a day of Ishtar, where the word Easter comes from. However, we we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, uh, billion, uh, not Ishtar. The pagan practice. Um, we we celebrate the time Jesus was resurrected. But anyway, yes, it it, it is something that will definitely take place quickly. It's instantaneous, and um, I'm looking forward to that day. And then the the those that were saints in the Old Testament will be resurrected later after uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ, which I'm extremely excited for the rapture and I know it's coming very quickly any other questions today those are, those are great questions I love questions on the end times
0: love you Andrew
1: yeah love you guys a lot there's sister Sherry love you appreciate it yeah it, it is mind-blowing those things are mind-blowing to think about especially end time pro- Bible prophecy end times Bible prophecy is one of the most interesting subjects uh that there is in the Bible. Um, and I understand that you can't be dogmatic about a lot of it because uh, some of it is not perfectly clear, uh, but will be made clear. One thing we can be sure of is that for the prophecies that remain to be fulfilled, every other prophecy in the Bible that's been pr- fulfilled has been fulfilled literally, not figuratively, literally. And why would God break his pattern now? All the prophecies that remain will be Fulfilled literally, we believe, because all the other prophecies have been. You know, there was a literal Messiah who was literally literally born in the city of Bethlehem in a literal manger. I mean, like, it's not figurative. None of them have been figurative. They've all been literal. And I'll give you an interesting thing. <clears throat> um, I'll, I'll give you an interesting thought. Um... All of the different feast days, the, the, there's seven seven major Jewish feasts. Um, and all of those feast days have been fulfilled by in prophecy on the exact feast day, literally. I mean, like literally the Feast of Atonement, Jesus was literally crucified on the Day of Atonement. That's how crazy. I mean, by prophecy, he was the lamb that was slaughtered on the Day of Atonement. I mean, you go through there, they've all been fulfilled and there are still three to be fulfilled of the seven and they will be fulfilled by the rapture, the second coming of Christ and the Feast of Tabernacles or the millennial reign of Christ. It's a supernatural and uh, God's gonna do that. We don't know the day or the hour, but it's gonna be on those feast days just like the early four were. Uh, Ty is asking, so the dead who rose when Jesus rose from the grave is considered as what? Same as Lazarus rising from the grave or anybody else in the Bible that's been raised from the dead, the widow of Nain, her son during the funeral that was raised from the dead. They were raised from the dead, but they still had to die again. They, they weren't uh, made eternal bodies at that point and ascend into heaven with Jesus. Um, they were just raised from the dead because of the power of his death. Literally, when I've preached on this. When Jesus shouted on the cross, he shouted and gave up the ghost. That shout of the breath of life was so strong that the Bible says that the earth shook with an earthquake and graves or tombs opened up and people got out. Why? Because the death of Jesus was so strong and powerful with the breath of life being released from his mouth that dead people couldn't even stay dead around the the, uh, cross in their tombs. They got out. But the Bible says they had to wait in the graveyards until Jesus was resurrected. And when he came out, they all came out. But literally, they all had to die again. And obviously their bodies were buried. It was a sign of the power of Christ when they were resurrected. Um,
0: say yes to Dory.
1: I'm looking for Dory's. You the rapture
0: in this lifetime. Absolutely, because there's nothing left to fulfill every...
1: Well, let me say it this way. There has never been any prophecy that had to be fulfilled fully. Because right. right. the like rapture has always been, else. no one has ever really been waiting on anything. The, the the rapture of the church is a signless coming. Prophecies that have to be fulfilled is for the second coming of Christ after the tribulation. The The rapture of the church has always been a signless coming. So there are no signs that precede the rapture, none. No signs. It's, it's, it, the Bible says he'll come like a thief in the night. There'll not be signs telling when he's coming. It's It's signless. The second coming of Christ has many signs that precede it. uh, And those are found in Matthew 24 and 25. So um, do I believe that in our lifetime? Yes. The reason I believe that is because one of the things that happens during the tribulation is that the Antichrist will make a peace treaty with the nation of Israel. And so Israel didn't even become a nation again until 1948, and so now that literally we see that, uh, we know that the, the tribulation could literally begin now once the Antichrist arises. But once once again, remember this, the nation of Israel being reformed as a nation is not a sign of the rapture, it's a sign of the second coming of Christ, according to Matthew 24. He said, when you see the fig tree bud again, Matthew 24 and 25 are not speaking of the rapture, they're speaking of the second coming of Jesus after the tribulation. And so it's very interesting but I do believe, like Carolyn said, that we are living in that hour, that day, that generation that will see Christ return in the rapture. Um, do you believe in the celebration of the feasts of the Lord like Feast of Tabernacles and Passover? Many believers celebrating these feasts, do you observe them? I don't observe them um, because they're Old Testament feast days. And I know that God said to Moses that they will exist forever for the Jewish people, that Jewish people still celebrate them. I understand them. You know, I understand what they represent. I understand what they mean, but we're not under the law of Moses anymore. We're under the dispensation of grace uh, that was enacted when Jesus came and shed His blood. So, um, I don't observe the actual feast days with all the traditions and rituals that go along with them. Um, so, understand this. Hey, Ted, what what was it like uh, meeting Reinhard Bonnke? It was phenomenal it was you were there with me it was one of the most amazing things we went to his offices in Orlando he
0: made me cry
1: yeah he, he made, made us made cry me
0: laugh. we <laughs> sat with
1: him in his office and he showed us a video which is now on youtube uh, if you'll just youtube evangelism in nigeria you'll see the, the video that he it was brand new at the time when he showed it to us uh, a guy who does uh, scoring musical scoring for films contacted Reinhard Bonkey and said oh i'd like to score uh, video footage of you giving altar calls in all these nations and they put a collage together uh, and put music and, and we sat in his office and wept as we watched the altar calls um, one of the altar calls when he was in Nigeria 1.03 million people came to the altar in one night and they had 375,000 altar workers I mean it's just amazing powerful man very humble man yes, uh, so kind. kind, humble full of wisdom, gave us words of wisdom that were supernatural, I'll never forget them. Uh, He was a wonderful, wonderful man, possibly the greatest evangelist in the history of the Christian church to this day. Um, Kathy's asking, um, love you, Brian. Kathy's asking about Adam and Eve. In Genesis 127, it states God created male and female, which he did. Then in Genesis 2, God breathed life into Adam. That's correct. A couple of things I'll say about that, Kathy, that are interesting to remember Um, The Bible says that God created Adam first out of the dust of the earth. He formed Adam with his hands by the dust of the earth. And then he blew the breath of life into Adam. Once Adam was a living being, he put Adam to sleep. And then out of Adam, he pulled a rib and created Eve from the rib of Adam. So they were not created at the exact same time. However, they both have the breath of life in them. But it's also important to remember that God created them and they were both viewed together as one, just like in a husband and wife marriage, the covenant were viewed as one to become one. And so um, they were both under that covenant that God created. However, it is important to remember God created Adam first, blew the breath of life into him and then pulled the rib from his side after putting him to sleep and created Eve from the rib? That's a great question. Amen. Do you think more than just Adam and Eve were created? No, I don't, Kathy, because the Bible does not tell us that more than just an Adam and Eve were created. The Bible says they began to have children. And um, we know, and it's kind of gross to think about, but we know that it wasn't until much later in, in history that um, incest became a sin and became wrong to do. But obviously there was a long period of time when the earth was being populated that sisters and brothers were having to marry and produce children. God commanded them be fruitful and multiply. And it wasn't until the earth was sufficiently populated that incest became a sin and God commanded um, them not to engage in incest. But obviously, the Bible teaches us Adam and Eve uh, began to have children, their children, and then populated the earth. And, uh, and then obviously, many, many, many um, humans were created as well through that. So um, I believe Adam and Eve were created. And then after that, God gave them the command to be fruitful and multiply. And they obeyed him and began to have children. Will persons be able to make it into heaven After the rapture, the answer to that question is yes, people will be able to make it into heaven after the rapture. However, let me also make the distinction here that people who had the opportunity to be saved before the rapture will not have the opportunity to be saved after the rapture. That's very important to understand is that people who had the opportunity to be saved before the rapture took place will not have uh, the opportunity to be saved after the rapture. And here's the scripture that backs that. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the Bible says in verse seven, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he's out of the way. That's the church filled with the Holy Ghost. Verse eight, and then the lawless one will be revealed, the Antichrist, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming, appearance of his coming. Verse nine, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refused, watch this, because those people refused to love the truth and be saved. Verse 11 is the key. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And so I want you to understand this. Paul is teaching that when people reject Christ and are left behind when the rapture takes place, God will actually send a delusion to their mind so that they will not believe the truth and believe the lies of the Antichrist so that his judgment may be fulfilled in those people. And so there, there you have it. Uh, the Bible says uh, she's speaking. Charlene's asking a question now.
0: What beguiled does not mean? Um, to have when it sex says, or anything. It just means like.
1: No. To yeah, like the, th- that is that is an actual doctrine people teach, though.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm just saying <clears throat> that pe- pe-
1: people teach that it
0: just as like <laughs> beguiled, like to charm, right?
1: Or to, or, or literally to uh, not, believe the lie, you know, to well, to create yeah. a lie that someone to be believes.
0: Charming, like he was, you know,
1: he. When it says Satan beguiled him. Eve, do you think Satan created a seed, a, a sin with Eve? Um, I there is that that whole doctrine people teach about, you know, that uh, you know she had sex with the serpent or sex with Satan or whatever. I don't believe that. She believed a lie over God's word. It's the same thing Satan's doing today, trying to get us to disbelieve God's word and believe what we see in the natural or what he says, believe his lie. It's the only power he has to create deception. And so the same thing happened there. Did, this is what he said. Did God really say, and then he twisted God's words. Did really? Did God really say you can't eat from any of the trees in the garden? Well, God didn't say that. God said you can't eat from these trees. That's it. The rest is for you and Adam. And then he sits there and lies and gets her to believe his lie over God's word and then she takes actions based on the lies she believes versus what God said. It's the same thing that's happening today. People believe the lies of this world over the word of God and then they take actions based on the lies they believe versus what God's word says. And so the Bible does say that he lied to her. He beguiled her. She believed it. But that's why... We're not in sin, you know, the world's not in sin today because of Eve, it's in sin because of Adam, because the Bible teaches Adam knowingly rebelled against the truth, that once she presented the fruit of that tree to Adam, he knowingly took it, knowing it was wrong and ate it and rebelled against the commands of God and by that uh, sin gave up his dominion and authority and was cast out of the Garden of Eden. These are great questions. I love you guys. Maybe we'll come back again next week and do more question and yeah, answers. Uh, we love. I love doing these with you guys. Once again, don't let me forget to remind you, Mountain Moving Faith is now live in Miracle Word University as well as the entire bundle of all the courses uh, at 28% off, only $199. That's uh, like getting a course for free. You can actually um, do it over a four-month period, $50 a month for four months and grab the bundle, or you can get the Faith course today for uh, a limited time, $59. That's 15% off the course. Use the discount code FAITHLAUNCH in checkout to get your 15% off of this course. It's only available for seven days, and there's only 100 of these discount codes available, so sign up while you can. Don't forget, Sunday we start Kickstart uh, in Albemarle, North Carolina at Boomerang Church. All of the information is at miracleword.com. We want to encourage you guys to take a minute and sow a seed uh, into this ministry and step out and partner with us as we're moving forward in the greatest year we've ever seen to do more than we've ever done for the kingdom of God in one year. And uh, you guys know how you can sow. All the information is on the screen. Plus, there's a brand new way to give starting today. uh, Miracle Word, you can give by Venmo. Uh, We've had requests for that because people use Venmo quite a bit. It was really the first, I think, cash-sharing app before PayPal, before Cash App, before any of that Venmo existed. Um, And so we're now on Venmo. If you use that app, same username as Cash App, MWGive. If you're searching to give on Venmo, it's MWGive, just like on Cash App. Yep. Thank you, Letty. It's now uh, an option that people can use to give. If you're watching on Periscope or Facebook, you can use hashtag donate in the comment section. Uh, if you'd like to use an app, the PayPal information's on the screen. Cash App and Venmo are MW Give. And then, of course, you can go to MiracleWord.com and sow a seed right there or partner with us on MiracleWord.com. And we say a big, big thank you to everybody that's standing with us in partnership. For everybody that sows $100 or more this month, we're going to be sending you this awesome book, God's Chosen Fast. Uh, I consider it to be the best book on fasting that ever was written. Uh, it's phenomenal. And uh, if you'd like to claim this, you've already given your 100 or you're going to, um, miracleword.com forward slash offer is where you can claim this book. And then for everybody that sows $1,000 or more, uh, we're going to be also sending you a genuine leather New Living Translation Bible that I'm going to make out to you and your family for sewing, And so we say a big thank you. Uh, Don's asking, are you only doing revival meetings in South Florida this year so far? No, we've already been to Atlanta, Georgia. We've already been to the Bronx in New York City. I've already been to Raleigh, North Carolina. We leave tomorrow for Charlotte, North Carolina. So we've been all over the place. (laughs) Um, No, Don. we're not
0: MiracleWord.com forward slash schedule. Yeah,
1: you can actually go to our (laughs) MiracleWord.com and and check out where we're going to be, Don. All the confirmed meetings are on the website. However, if you're in the Tampa, Florida area, let me encourage you strongly. Coming up February the 18th through the 21st and then the 23rd, we're going to be having camp meeting right here in Margate, Florida at Abundant Life Church. My father will be here. And uh, Bishop Rick Thomas will be ministering. I'll be ministering. It's going to be awesome. And so you're only about a what, three and a half hour drive?
0: Uh, four hours f- from four Tampa. Four hours from
1: Tampa. Listen.
0: Three from Orlando. Do
1: it. Literally do it.
0: One from Palm Beach.
1: Brit, One that's, from Miami. Britt, that's a good question. She's asking, can I create recurring gift, uh, a recurring gift in any of the online apps like a PayPal, Cash App, or Venmo? I've never
0: really seen I'm not sure. in Cash App.
1: I'm going to find that out for you. Yeah, Danielle, it's been very busy this year already. Very busy, um, and so, Britt, I'm going to check on that for you and find out if that's how that's possible or if that's possible, and I'll let you know. We'll we'll let you know for sure. Uh, Dory, when am I coming to Kansas City? Uh, all of the confirmed. I don't have anything on the books for Kansas City at this time, but find out when we're going to be the closest to you. Go to miracleword.com, click on the schedule page, and find out when we're going to be the closest to you. And, uh, and come join us. It's going to be a great year. We have new stuff. We're going to be in different countries this year. It's it's going to be and great. stuff
0: gets added all the time to the yep. schedule. So what you see now will change in right. the new, next week or so. New so. things <laughs> being added all
1: the time. So we love you guys so much. Thank you for hanging with us. I'm so excited about this new Miracle Word University course, man. I hope you guys jump in quickly. Uh, it's going to be so awesome, man. I'm so pumped up. Have a powerful weekend. We yeah. love you. We really hope to see you in North Carolina. If you're anywhere close, uh, Virginia, South Carolina, whether you're in Georgia, Kentucky, West Virginia, get there, it's not far from you, and uh, it's gonna be a phenomenal week. We love you guys.
0: We'll be Monday morning from North Carolina. Yep,
1: we'll be live 10.30 a.m. Monday morning from North Carolina, right here on all the platforms. And and, uh, we love you guys, have a blessed weekend, and we'll talk to you very soon.